Well, hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my father, Dr. Joel Hunter. Hello, Pop. Hello. It is, what's today, June 27th. Yes. Uh, I should have remembered that uh, because uh, today is, we, we like to lead in with uh, whatever national day it is, because uh, there's there's pretty much one for every day. Actually, yeah. there's multiple ones for yeah. every day. Uh, today's National PTSD, Post Traumatic Stress Disorder Day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is, uh, you know, I forgot it last year, and I've been uh, having flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: they should change it now. In this political atmosphere, they should change it to current. Current traumatic, traumatic stress, stress disorder. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that 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 would fit. You know, they had they had that too, though. Uh, I mean, they had it at different times, but that's basically what shell shock was in World War One. It oh. was it. They thought these people were they were they were branding them as cowards, you know, uh, because despite pointing a revolver at their face and saying they're like, "Go over the trench," because <laughs> the machine they gun do it. The machine gun only has a ninety-five percent chance, <laughs> but I'll shoot you right now. And the, and they would just sit there. Uh, and it turns out there was actual, you know, this actual the physical manifestations of the psychological devastation. Boy, I'm sounding like Al Sharpton. <laughs> Preach it. Well, they would choose incarceration <laughs> over participation in a war for liberation. <laughs> that is really, oh yeah, that was accidental. But they would, but they, they actually, uh, they, they, they had a, a physical, a physical problem from it. But, uh, but post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> it's gonna be hard to reel back from that. <laughs> um, but tro- post-traumatic stress disorder is that is that same idea because what you can do is you can uh, you can so traumatize your central nervous system uh, that it it continues to it continues to linger and it and it and it has it's uh, it's not as simple as a you know I'll I'll just forget about it you know in World War One nobody really knew about it and called it shell shock and and then you know they still called it that after the war actually and then. World War II, uh, they just uh, drank, uh, and uh, and that was that helps kind of how you what, fixed it. Then, what, what happens actually physiologically? Is you there know, just a dump of I wish chemicals? I wish I could tell you, and I and I the only reason I don't feel that bad is I think it's it's one of those where it's it's much easier to describe the symptoms uh, and the general etiology where you just use general terms of you know there's this there's this you know neurotransmitter imbalance and. Um, than than it is to specifically describe you know what's actually happening physiologically in the brain. There's so much stuff like that with the, with the higher like the higher you go in your cortex, the more you can describe the problem than you can its its actual you know etiology. You can you can do more than I just did. You know there there are people that can that can talk a little bit more about um, GABA and glutamate and which what's what there's too much of and too little of, but. <clears throat> but the actual, like, what causes that and, and makes people have the specific symptoms they do, uh, and part of how you know that it's not really well understood to the degree that something like rheumatoid arthritis is or something like that is that the the approach to treating that stuff is still relatively, uh, let's try this and see, and then great, that seems to have some effect. And so now that's why, you know, you're hearing stuff more about um, the the latest and greatest stuff that that people are talking about is is LSD and different psychedelics, and and that has a you know a lot of a lot of effect. Um, marijuana, cannabinol, just the whole cannabinoid system in general is something that 
uh, it's funny because even though politically it's still this kind of like hot potato and everybody's worried about talking about it and, uh, oh, geez, do I seem like a pothead if I'm okay with, you know, the use of, of uh, marijuana in a, in a medical setting. Um, medically, it's, I mean, it's not even a, dis- I mean, it's not like a discussed issue of does this have any effect? And I mean, like, it, that's not really a question. It's much more of a political thing than it is a medical uh, thing. So uh, that's how it is with, uh, that's how it is with a lot of the stuff today. Um, that's my thoughts on that. All right. Yeah. Well, we're, we want to talk more about that later on, don't we? Yes, yes. But first, some facts about the dollar bill. <laughs> You're actually going to go there, aren't you? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, <laughs> it just seemed like such a natural next thing. I don't even have any notes on it. What? I just, no, I do. I just, <laughs> I just felt a passion to talk about it. Uh, our, our research team. Our research <laughs> department. Uh, <laughs> who can say, if, you, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is the bright side uh, on 1025. And, and uh, I'm, I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. Our research team is, is Becky Hunter, who, <laughs> who I would pit against any 10 other researchers. You betcha. You and she betcha. would come out triumphant. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but she said and this something along the lines of in the email with, with stuff about today, she's like, Slim pickings. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> see know. what you guys can, we're, can do. We're, we're just hanging out here to dry. And so then she said, uh, she said about the PTSD <laughs> thing, which was really interesting, and then uh, and then a bunch of facts about dollar bills. And I don't mean like. <laughs> I don't mean facts about dollar bills like how to save and invest. I mean like the type of cotton linen blend that they're made out of and stuff. Um, and it was it was relevant though because we'll be talking to the LaRose today. That's right. Uh, and and uh, and we'll get more we'll get more into that in a little bit. But uh, you know the the founder of the First Green Bank is is here, uh, and so. He he had any requests, and he said, "I just want to talk about different the chemical composition of the dollar bill, just anything." Tell, can you go into great detail on the seal? What on does the I mean? Do you know what the um, I means? You know, if this was a quiz, I would pass this because I actually I care so much about mom that I was like, I'm going to read every word of this, and I was like, I did not know the Latin stood for these different things. Uh, but there is a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, of Latin on there and a lot of, a lot of religious, <laughs> a lot of religious Latin. You can't say you were never educated yeah. about the dollar bill you, because now you know there's a lot of Latin on there. You tuned into some professional radio and <laughs> now try this know. at home folks. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of Latin on there. And, uh, and it says, uh, you know, everybody knows the E pluribus unum one, yeah. uh, for, you know, basically uh, like most Latin, it, you have, you can't use the same number of words because it means a bunch more than that. But basically, the idea of you know from from many from all of us from many with there we are one. But then there was other stuff that Novus Ordo Seclorum, a new order for the world yeah. uh, below the pyramid. Uh, it made me. It fi- I finally understood uh, why all those uh, Da Vinci Code books sold. I was like, yes. I can see how people really think there's something going on here. You yeah, because when you when you get done reading your dollar bill, you mm-hmm. need, you're looking for something a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly, uh, and, and more intriguing. And you're like, and so I, I wonder if there's an ancient sect of Jesuits <laughs> just behind all of this. It just kind of leads naturally. To I that. know, and uh, and turns out there is. I read that book. Uh, and I can't remember if it was fiction or nonfiction, but it read pretty real. <laughs> it seemed, it seemed like an actual history right. of the Jesuit order. Um, Pop, uh, before we go into our break, do you want to do you want to give a teaser on who we have as our guest today? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, this these are good friends, of your mom and I, and uh, um, Ken Laroe, um, as you said, is the CEO and founder of First Green Bank, a bank that was founded um, on 
um, environmental um, principles and and safeguarding the environment. Um, his wife Cindy, um, who may not talk as much because Ken is uh, brave and just <laughs> will plow right into it, uh, but she is a physician um, who firsthand has experience because of a traumatic brain injury out of a bicycle. Both of them are more fit. Like ridiculous athletes. Ridiculously yeah. fit. Holy cow. I mean, I just want to suck in my stomach every time I see them. And so, uh, but they're both top athletes, have won multiple awards. <clears throat> um, but she, out of a cycling accident, had a traumatic brain injury. Um, and the medical marijuana um, 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 Medicine. <laughs> this is. I think I've just. Pop is our guest I think expert. I, just, I think I just had an aneurysm trying to think of a thought. Holy she's cow! A, she's an advocate for the medical marijuana medicine. <laughs> that, that, that sounds stop, like. Sounds stop like, me if I'm going too fast. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand this because it's complicated. <laughs> but medical marijuana medicine. Has shown great, great potential. Um, we're going to talk to them when we come back. We'll see you right after this break. <laughs> Welcome back to the bright side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Joel Hunter and Joel Hunter checking in. Nope, that's not it. We're still trying to figure out a good way to reintroduce ourselves because of the awkwardness of us both having the same name. And then do you say doctor or not? I vote no. Uh, but Pop keeps insisting. <laughs> I know. I want props. <laughs> I want respect. He's like, I got like 17 doctors. Come on. <laughs> we are here today talking to uh, Ken and Cindy Leroux. And uh, and they are one of those couples that's just, they're, either one of them is incredibly fascinating I mean, with this amazing story. Both, both of you guys kind of have you know, novel character type stories. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you, it's really great having both of you here at the same time. We had to kind of figure out which thing we were going to talk about first. And so I, I was curious, um, first off, thank you for being here, Ken. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I was curious about this, this first green bank, you know, uh, from what I understand <clears throat> and my knowledge of the banking world, <laughs> not immense. Uh, and so, e pluribus unum. <laughs> yeah, my Sorry. knowledge of Latin on the dollar bill, immense. Uh, but, but I would imagine that uh, founding a bank isn't like a, uh, just a, an idea of, uh, hey, I'll get into banking, and then you do that. I imagine there's kind of a, a lead up to that, you know, to do something like that, especially to have it go successfully. What, what kind of led you, what was the road leading you there, and, and what was the idea behind setting up First Green Bank? Um, well, the, we started a bank in 99 and we sold it in 2006. And back to your first question of, oh, I'm going to decide to get into banking. That, that was a, a long process huh. and, and, uh, there's a lot of regulatory requirements to do that. But once you've done one, you can do another. Gotcha. So we sold our first bank and, uh, we bought a little mini motor home and we drove cross country. And before I left, my brother gave me the book, um, let, let my people go surfing, which is Yvonne Chouinard's autobiography. He's the founder of Patagonia Clothing. So I read it and I thought, well, I want to do something. I want to do something that does more than just makes a bunch of people a bunch of money. And uh, if he could do this business that was very environmentally focused in the clothing business, maybe I can do it in the banking business. That's the only thing I know. So I Googled green banks. I found a bank in San Francisco, New Resource Bank, that had opened 18 months prior. 
and then uh, Triodos Bank in the Netherlands. And I just picked up the phone and called and asked for the CEO and says, what's <laughs> the gig? You know, what do you, what do you do different? And so that was kind of the, the genesis. And then one of our best friends came up with the name First Green Bank and then Cindy designed the logo on our sitting at our dining table one night. Huh. So. How about that? That's, I, I, I really, I always admire the, 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 the drive behind that, like the entrepreneurial mind that is like, well, I'll look up those two and then I'll call and be like, let me talk to the CEO. Cause uh, I feel like that's, that's a, that's a different level of drive and, and probably partially explains why First Green Bank uh, has been successful. So you, so you, uh, you opened that first one uh, in Orlando. In uh, no, Mount Dora and Claremont are our first. Oh, how, those are, those are different. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Which is it north? I don't know. I'm, I'm just real bad with geography. I re, once you get outside of the human eye, I I am a, I'm a baby almost. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, so you open that first one, and then uh, and it's grown since then, right? I mean, there. I mean, I I know I see branches around Orlando now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we have eight, uh, seven locations. Yeah, for... that's that's a lot. That's a big. That's a lot more than one. Yeah, that's. Really... <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and what you and what you uh, and and so what you specialize in with with First Green Bank. I mean, the idea behind it is it, it, you you're trying to help environmentally friendly businesses. You're trying to help them uh, with loans and lending. How how does that work? Well, it's it's been evolutionary. When we started, we thought, well, we'll just finance projects that are environmentally sustainable, whether it's um, a development or a building that meets the uh, lead standards or something. But it just, we didn't just get enough traction to do that. So it led to, you know, one thing to another, our solar loan program, which is probably the best in the country. Um, but the real turning point was the Global Alliance for Banking on Values when uh, we were asked to to join that organization in 20, was it? 2012. 2012. And, um, I went to the one of the meetings and there were CEOs from around the world sitting at the table and they started talking about what they were doing. And I was just blown away. I left feeling like I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy mm -hmm. to even be here compared to some of the banks that are just, uh, you know, agenda setters and change agents. Yeah. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Bright Side and we're talking to uh, Ken LaRoe, who's the, who's the founder of First Green Bank. Um, Pop, I know that you've had the You've you've been environmentally friendly. Well, I am very uh, the, I'm, and I've also served on the, the board of directors of First Green Bank uh, because Ken <clears throat> was good enough to come and invite his preacher uh, to be kind of a moral voice. He knew my background in this uh, arena, but one of the things he mentioned uh, with the Global Alliance for Banking on Values. Um, the research department and I went to Paris ah, yes. for one of these conferences uh, with Ken and Cindy. Um, and it was so impressive to, um, to be around very wealthy, very bright people. Um, yeah, who I bet. Put people oh, wait, sorry, there's more. <laughs> I was like, that's my favorite. <laughs> who put people in front of profits yeah. because they, because they really do care about what is right and what is good um, instead of just what is profitable. And, uh, and so that's, that's why I've been so impressed with this effort, because uh, I wanted to be <clears throat> involved. I, I know absolutely I knew nothing about banking. I've, I've since learned because in order to be a bank director, you have to continue your education and, and pass certain um, um, requirements and courses and all of that kind of stuff. So I've learned a lot. <clears throat> but being involved with a group of people 
um, surrounding the very the, the 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 comprehensive field of money, but it not being about money, mm-hmm. uh, it, it being about uh, caring for the, our children's future. That was a big deal. Um, that's a question that I had for you, Ken. Is it have do you feel like that there is? Do you feel like the whole people before profits, or 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 a cause bigger than yourself? You know, you know, protecting the environment, trying to actually do something. You know, uh, for for the environment. Do you feel like having that as the priority? Um, that that's kind of a secret sauce, and success will it, it'll 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 be in your favor for success. Or do you feel like it's something that's just now? This is a known sacrifice. I could make more money if I went the scummiest way possible. Um, do you feel like those two are at odds with each other? You know, achieving the most financial success possible and doing it morally, or do you feel like it, they, that they kind of work hand in hand with each other? I think at the end of the day, it's, it is the cause of our success. Um, not, you know, um, it it really contributes a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, it is difficult though, because you, you basically are running two businesses at the same time. You're running a for-profit and nonprofit at the same time. Um, so you, you've, frequently have conflicting um, objectives. It seems like, yeah, because it seems like that would be the case. You know, there's a lot of times where like, if you just, if your one objective is the most money we can possibly make, you know, that's, that's a very clear single objective. Um, but then it just leads back to that. You know, we talk about this on the show. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this is the the bright side uh, with Joel Hunter and Joel Hunter. Uh, and we, but we talk about that a lot on the show yeah. about the, the, over multiple industries, how people will achieve enormous financial success and just be bereft of meaning or joy yeah. because it was it was kind of losing sight of that. Yeah, it's it's there's there's a <clears throat> there's a real choice as you go along in your life, and that is, uh, am I going to get the most I can get, uh, or am I going to try to give um, because I've been fortunate enough to accumulate and and. And those people who live the most fulfilling, meaningful lives are those people who have learned that success is about more than accumulation. And and this show has always been about uh, interviewing people who are in power, who use their power to help the vulnerable populations. Certainly, um, environmental catastrophes and environmental change um, has um, has its first consequences and harm to the most vulnerable populations, the poorest populations who can't insulate themselves against the effects of climate change. And so to be a part of an organization that says, no, I, I want to, if we're making money, I want to make sure that part of it is protecting the most vulnerable populations uh, in the world is really a noble cause. I remember you talking, I mean, that was the first thing that really made the the whole idea of, of in you know, the, the change in the environment, uh, relevant to me for the first time was you, you had, you had been at some conference, uh, with, you know, all those people you were talking about who were real smart and, uh, had talked about that idea of, of, and, and, you know, the change in the environment, it's not this deal of like, Oh no, it'll be, we'll have a hotter summer this summer. It's, it's the, the most vulnerable populations that can insulate themselves at least from the environment and in all the, the coastal cities and all that stuff. I mean, it, it kind of affects all of us. And so, uh, uh, we have to go to a, a, a break now, but when we come back, we'll be naming all sorts of environmental disasters uh, and, uh, and continuing our interview with the LaRose. We'll see you in a minute. Oh, 
Welcome back to the bright side. Nope, that wasn't it either. I was, I'm trying. I'm trying. If you're just tuning in, uh, this is Joel Hunter. You may have thought this was a longtime radio guy, uh, and that wasn't my best one. I apologize. This is the bright side, and I'm Joel Hunter. I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. This is a show uh, about uh, helping you to help others. And Papa, give us a state of the episode so far. <laughs> well, so far we've talked about the the green um, bank and banking values. Uh, but I, I really want to get to uh, medical marijuana and some of the some of the practical effects, some of the practical benefits that people might not know about. Um, Ken is um, an attorney who went into uh, banking. Um, his wife, um, who, by the way, they were born one week apart, really, in the same hospital, really, high school sweethearts. That's destiny. Yes, I, I'm saying <laughs> you're her destiny. Uh, but his his wife is a is is a physician, an internist. Um, but um, both of them are top athletes, and she had a. Um, a, a, motor, a motorcycle. Might as well have been. <laughs> Honestly, at that, she, when no, you're that she good. She was going that fast. Yeah, when you're, when, you're, when you're that good. I remember when I first tried to cycle, I was like, I was like, oh, I'll get kind of into this. Uh, you know, it's a bicycle. It should be easy. And I was like, uh, and I was just, uh, I, I really, I'd gone out once or twice. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. You know, I had one of those speedometers on my bike. To tell, and I was like, boy, I'm just going to be fun. And I was like, and I was going as fast. My legs were just, lactic acid was shooting out of my knees. And, and I looked down and I was, and I was going 21 miles. An hour. And I was like, this is incredible. And then I went and looked at times of people like you guys. And I was like, oh, wow. It's, it's such a, it's a different, it's a whole different world. And that was like, that was my 30 second sprint speed. Like it was, uh, it was not good. Sorry, go ahead. I, well, both of them are award-winning um, top athletes, uh, like on a national level. Um, but Cindy had a, a cycling accident um, and a traumatic brain injury um, and was having seizures. And I'm going to just ask you, I'm going to ask both of you. Um, to kind of chime in here, um, like how many seizures were you having a day? What w- kind of what was the effect? Um, and Ken, you can you know describe it uh, or if if uh, um, Cindy um, wants to chime in with numbers or or effect or whatever. Uh, but just kind of describe the problem, um, and then um, describe the effect that the medical marijuana had on the on the problem. Well, um, I, she'll probably speak at some point. Okay, that's <laughs> all right. We call it a brain injured moment. Well, these, but... well, these are these are intimidating. These these microphones are intimidating. <clears throat> this is not a natural setting. Yeah, yeah. That's you mean for sure. you don't normally talk with these giant blue microphones? And this is how I insist on doing this at the dinner table. <laughs> That's right. Ever since this radio show started, when guests come over, I'm like, put on these headphones. <laughs> that would work for my grandkids. Like, oh, well, go to the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Cindy had the injury, and then uh, four months later, developed a seizure disorder, and was having multiple seizures a day, de- depending on the hundreds. How- wow, yeah. hundreds a day. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And, and I think that's something that people don't, in general, know about TBI, a traumatic brain injury, is that you know people think of it as something where it's like you know okay, it's kind of like you got knocked and it's it's kind of changed your you know your your consciousness is is slightly different or it might give you some mood set. But like the the seizures part of it is a it's a serious medical condition because it's 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 like you said you know it's it's not something where I had a seizure once and it was scary. It's it's a debilitating type of thing. Um, did you find that? Um, as you as you've got that you know you've got this medical background uh, and 
Ken, I'm sure every one of those, you're like, oh my, what do I, you know, I mean, that's, that's such a being, being in front of somebody who's doesn't have that control over their own body is such a, such an intense experience. You know, I'm sure it immediately sends you to every single place you can go to like, what can we do? You know, cause there's known seizure medications. I can only remember Dilantin cause med school was a long time ago, but uh, there's, there's a lot of them. Did you kind of go, go around to different neurologists and say, what different medicines did you have? Was it that they weren't effective or was it that the side effects were too strong? What, what happened there? Describe it. She says she's mouthing <laughs> the side effects. <laughs> side effects of what? The, the side effects of the medicines. Was it that they were ineffective or was it that it just left you so sleepy and zonked that it wasn't really worth taking them? Um, the first medication I was on was Keppra, and it was an ineffective. Gotcha. And I then, and then they started me on Lamictal. Yeah. Um, and I was on a combination of short-acting and long, or extended release, mm-hmm. like a. Uh, okay. One of the, one of those. Uh, yeah. What they'll do is because Lamictal is. Uh, like a lot of other drugs, it's got this immediate, you know, action on you. So if you if you you don't want to just say, hey, you'll be really great for the next hour here, you kind of you mix it in with a, a version that's got capsules that, that release slowly over time. Uh, so also not great success with that one either. No, it never really got rid of all the seizures. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they were constantly playing with my medications. Yep. Um, and one doctor decided to make my medications simpler by putting me all on an extended release version of the Lamictal. And she did that on like a Wednesday. And I took it one day and I started having terrible reactions to Mm. it. And I called the office the next day and I just got a recording saying, if it's an emergency, go to the ER. Mm -hmm. And so I called another doctor friend of mine who called in a prescription for the, um, just regular lamictal. So I began titrating myself off the meds myself <laughs> with medical marijuana. Yeah. Now, what made you decide? I mean, did did a, was there a physician who recommended medical marijuana, or is it something that you already knew about? What made you decide to to go that route? I kind of already knew about it, um, but. Ken has a story <laughs> and <if you're, laughs> yeah, Ken, about the whole marijuana. Thing. And if you're just tuning in, wondering why we're talking about marijuana, um, this show you're listening to the bright side, and we're we're talking to Ken and Cindy Leroux, uh, who uh, have a it's, it's a really long time to recite you guys' resume, but basically, uh, you guys have a, a lot of uh, research, and you have a and you have a foundation for research uh, about brain injury in general, but specifically a passion for medical marijuana because of the difference it made in your lives. So she was saying you had a story. Well, it's, it's, it, yeah, I'll try to make it as short as possible. But <laughs> one of my customers who's a really, really successful guy, uh, um, two million a year income, 50 million net worth, is at Jeez. lunch one day, just out of the blue, says, Hey, Kenny, I smoke dope every day. And I said, What? <laughs> he said, Well, actually, every night. He said, It's the only way I can sleep. And he said, I read that it's good for seizures. You need to come over to the house and get a joint and, and let Cindy try it. And then I said, no, no, no. And that not. Matthew McConaughey is a cool guy. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's like, no, I mean, I every day in high school, but not now. <laughs> so I can just see myself on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel. But he kept on me, kept on me. About six weeks later, I drove over to his house and um, he went up and got me a joint and said, yeah, every night I light one and take four tokes off and I can sleep. And and uh, so I took it home, and a couple of days later, I came home, and Cindy had had a terrible day with seizures all day long. 
I said, you got to try this and, and, and I'll start it for you. And, uh, and good man. Yeah. And she said, no, I'm not doing it. I said, look, you're a doctor. This is a medical experiment. This has now entered the realm of medicine. Hey, you're looking at medical marijuana medicine right here. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Medically applied. So, so I lit it up and, and handed it to her and she hacked her way through about four puffs or tokes or whatever yeah. you want to call it. And the seizures in, in about 30 seconds, the seizures stopped. Wow. They stopped. Man. And then a couple of days later, replicated the same thing. And then, um, again, a short version of a long story. We have a, a friend who had invested in a cannabis, medical cannabis company in Colorado. And um, his best friend was a general practitioner in Clearwater. We went down and saw him and um, a doctor in California had developed um, the process for putting the cannabinoid oil in, in a, um, e-cigs, e-cigs mm-hmm. in the capsules mm-hmm. for e-cigs. Mm-hmm. And so we ordered some from him, and, and over six months, Cindy was able to wean herself off the Jeez. seizure meds, and then six months later uh, was able to wean off the cannabis, and it cured the seizures. I mean, beyond just the— Beyond just all of the the political stuff around it and all that, you know, because I know that's an uphill battle and stuff, I got to imagine like the emotional moment of realizing like this thing that's just been just killing you for, for, I mean, it's, it's such, it's, it's impossible to have a normal life and have one seizure a day, let alone, you know, you know, dozens on top of dozens, you know, having them every, you know, every few minutes. uh, And then to just, there's this cure all of a sudden, I mean, that's gotta be, it's gotta be like one of those, you know, heavens opening and angel singing type of things. Um, I want to talk more about this uh, when we uh, when we come back. Uh, we're going to be back after this break to talk more with the LaRose about uh, all the stuff that they do. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to the bright side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my my. <laughs> My dad, Joel, <laughs> but it's not my dad. It's your dad. That's right. You're, you're here with your dad, Joel Hunter. That's right. Your dad, that, was, that would have worked. <laughs> and I'm here with my dad's dad. Um, so we, this is a show about, uh, you know, helping you help others. And uh, one of the things, uh, most of the things that we talk about uh, tend to be things that people uh, are mildly uncomfortable talking about. And, and it's because... Uh, areas where we need help uh, and there aren't obvious solutions are kind of uncomfortable to talk about. You know, I, nobody likes to uh, nobody likes to uh, focus on the things that uh, that are hard. And so, uh, in that vein, we are talking today to the Larose, Ken and Cindy Larose. Ken Larose is the founder of First Green Bank, uh, which, if you've driven down a street in Orlando, you've seen one of those around. Um, and his wife, Cindy, uh, internal medicine doctor, competitive cyclist, had a, a traumatic brain injury, uh, and then. Chronic seizures, and when we say chronic, we mean like daily, uh, hun- hundreds a day, where it's just you can't go more than a few minutes without having another seizure. Uh, and tried all the different uh, drugs, uh, like Keppra and Lamictal, and all the different cocktails that are you get from your your local neurologist. And and then the difference that medical marijuana made. Uh, that was all just to catch you up on what we've been talking about. Um, and so we've been talking about that. And just TBI in general. One of the things I wanted to talk about in this segment. Um, Traumatic brain injury is TBI. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's, that isn't TMI. Uh, that's <laughs> just the right MI. Um, um, so the, um, uh, the, 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 one of the things we were going to talk about in this section, uh, 
If you could strike that, is that <laughs> we're live, Wait, this man? Is, what? <laughs> this, is, this is live. I know. Now I feel nervous. <laughs> Professional radio. So the uh, uh, one of the things we were going to talk about was uh, your uh, uh, your painting, and uh, and I I know that uh, it, it most artists. I don't know this really. I would assume most artists are they they are, they are uh, shy or, or humble about talking about their stuff. But um, there was something so similar when I read your story about how you kind of dabbled in painting, but then after uh, your injury, you you found that it really focused you, and and it was it was this therapeutic thing, and it reminded me so much of George W. Bush, you know, because I saw you know in his interview when he was like he was like I decided I was going to pick up a paintbrush, and I I read a. I read a biography by a Winston Churchill, and he said, "If if he could do it, so could I." <laughs> and uh, and um, I just look for excuses to do George W. <laughs> um, but it was so similar to that. Um, what? Uh, tell me about anything you want to about the 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 idea of the painting, and and what's the whole art of medicine thing? What is that fa- foundation, Ken? Like, what is the idea to to raise money for? traumatic brain injury in general, brain research in general? Is it, is it just to raise awareness about medical marijuana? What's the general drive behind it? And what do you guys do? Well, we, um, we were having dinner one night and, and started discussing the fact that she was a fabulous artist and a physician, and there must be other artist physicians out there. And if we could find some and get them to do a work, then we would auction it at a gala event and raise money. Um, that turned into a 501c3, the Art of Medicine Foundation. And our first gala, we raised uh, 100, how much? 160,000. 160, and we uh, contributed those monies to the Brain Injury Association of Florida. The objective being, we really wanted to change the protocol when somebody presents uh, to a, any, any medical uh, provider, whether it's a hospital or a doctor's office or whatever, um, to where the patient is not mishandled uh, with a closed head brain injury. Uh, Cindy was completely mishandled from every respect. Oh, really? That's when, interesting. When she presented um, to the hospital, and they took her to the only level one trauma center in, in Central Florida because of her brain involvement. The, the EMTs determined they wanted to get her there. Um, and there's still, to this day, no real protocol for – uh, when somebody presents with a closed head brain injury uh, to a hospital. Hmm. Um, so anyway, fast forward to our second gala, we raised um, uh, about half a million dollars and we contributed that to um, a program that Cindy's roommate in residency, Dr. Michael Oaken, who's now the chair of neurology at Shands, started um, in her honor uh, that wow. is a diagnosis, treatment, and research center for traumatic brain injury. Wow! So um, that's really that's, neat. Well, it, it, I mean, the story sounds—it sounds similar to what you were talking earlier about when you were looking, researching into a green bank and the idea of you know a bank that's environmentally friendly and stuff. And so you looked up—I <laughs> can't get her—you looked up who has something like this, and you so you're like, so I just called the CEOs of those banks and was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, it it feels like it feels like that's kind of a, a thematic. Part of, it's a part of you guys' uh, MO is to you see something and uh, an area where you could help or you could raise awareness or you could or affect change, and then you just kind of go for it, and then stuff like that happens, which is which is really uh, which is really exciting. Do you feel like the stuff that you do with your charitable work uh, and 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 the idea, the art of medicine, all you know that that stuff? Is there a point for people listening where they're like? 
hey, I may not be the founder of a bank, but I, but I, you know, I'm, I, I work hard. I've got this, I've got a business that I do and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to help. I'd like to give back. Do you feel like it's a choice of how much time am I going to take away from my main career to do this other thing? Or do you feel like it's, it's, it's possible to get involved in too many things? Or have you just found that the more stuff that you've gotten involved in, the more enriching it's been for your life? What do you think? She's mouthing, I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I'm thinking I can't wait for the end of this program. (laughs) You just put me on the spot. What what do you think? And he just stared her down. (laughs) Um, But have you found that, is it the stuff that that you do that's, that's outside of First Green Bank's specific, you know, kind of dual purpose mission, which is be a successful bank, you know, you can't forget that part, uh, and you guys haven't, um, and, uh, and to, you know, not lose your mission of helping, you know, make the earth a better place. Do you find that that is, once you've done that, then you have a certain amount left over uh, of your, of your own mental energy to contribute to this other stuff? Or do you find that it just kind of, it, you live your life and you help out every single place you can and you don't really look at any of those in different categories. Is that is it is it one or the other? Like, do people have to make a choice, basically? I, I'm, <laughs> um, I, I think it's all part of livelihood. Mm-hmm. You know, life and, and your livelihood all go together. And if you're not good at one, you're not going to be good at the other. Yeah, that makes, and, that makes sense. And so it, it's, to me, you can't really separate it. Um, let me let me chime in here because I think, as much as I, uh, you know, I I don't know them, like very best friends know them, but we're friends and I know them as people. And Becky and I have spent time with them, um, and I think that they're really motivated by what makes them passionate. Hmm. Like Cindy went into medicine because they had a son with certain medical problems, and she wanted to understand more about what he was going through. So she became a doctor, for crying out loud. I mean, they overachieve in the area that their heart is in. Mm. Um, and and so I, I think that it's not even a balance with them. I think it is, this is what we do because it brings us alive. Mm. It, it We're passionate about it. We care. This is about people we care about, and, uh, um, and this is where my heart is, so this is where I'm going to put my energy. Do you think that's, do you think that's the idea behind... This whole movement that you, you know, if you had your druthers, there'd be a shift in the national conversation and national consciousness about the idea that we, you know, everyone's here. We're here to help each other. Yeah. Um, is, is that, is that piece that's not quite, that everybody's not, doesn't quite have that on the tip of their tongue yet. Is that what makes it seem so much like I have, I have my life and then I have my charitable stuff. Uh, is it, cause what, when I look at your life, it's all the same thing. I mean, that's your life. You know, it's, I'm, I'm here to help other people. Um, when you're talking to people that, that, you know, well, like Ken, but that aren't Ken, uh, where they've got a job that's like, Hey, I'm a, I, I own a house painting company. Um, how do you, how do you make that distinction, you know, between this is time you're not doing what you're doing, uh, to help other people? Well, I, I think there is a, you know, you, you do what you do to put food on the table, but everything else you got to do to make, to make your heart beat faster and to make you feel like you really are making a difference for the people you love. Yeah. Um, and that's what these two, that's why I'm so impressed with these two is because that's how they live their life. They, they, they go with their passion um, and, and their passion helps them make a difference in a very broad and profound 
um, um, sense for people who will never know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for people in the listening, audi- listening audience, do what makes you passionate um, and, and, and do it in a way that helps other people come alive. And you will be very glad when you get to the end of your life. Yeah. It, it harkens back to, uh, we only have one minute left, but it harkens back <clears throat> to our guest that we had a, a, a couple of weeks ago who was just talking about, you know, helping. It's, it's not an issue of like, okay, your choices are soup kitchen or go, you know, or go sweep your neighbor's porch. There's, there's so many different things you can get involved in. There's so many ways to help. Um, and it's just kind of limited only by your own creativity and your own willingness to just kind of say, I'm going to help, you know, I'm, I'm here to help other people. Um, and it's what's so impressive about you guys. Uh, and I know you didn't come here to just toot your own horn, but I'll do it for you. You guys are amazing people. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I mean, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting us. Um, and for everybody that's listening out there, um, I guess my main advice would be be as much like Ken and Cindy LaRoe as you possibly, <laughs> you possibly can. can. <laughs> that's right. That's, the mod- that's our new motto of the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next time on The Bright Side. Until then, just go out and try to help somebody. Yeah.